Welcome to Palliative Perspectives, a podcast produced by the Hospice and Palliative Nurses Association. Each episode will explore important topics from the field of hospice and palliative care to preserve our history, explore current challenges, find inspiration from our patients, create connections within our field, and peek into the research that shapes our future. Whether you're a seasoned nurse, a nursing student, or simply interested in the field of hospice and palliative care, we're glad you're here. Let's get started. Hi, folks, and welcome to Palio Perspective. I am your host, Erin Holder. Today, we have a very special guest who has graciously agreed to come on the show and talk to us about her role as a supportive care provider. I think that if someone's going to do justice to who she is and what she does, it's our guest herself. So without further ado, let me introduce Sari Williams. Hi, Sari. Welcome to the show. Hi, good morning. Thank you. Of course. So Sari, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do? Sure. Um, I'm a nurse practitioner, family uh, nurse practitioner. Um, I work in a hospital. I work, it's a cancer hospital in Los Angeles. Um, I work in the palliative care team, or as we call it here, supportive medicine. Um, we see patients in the hospital that are admitted, um, in our urgent care. And then I follow my own patient panel in the outpatient setting as well. Sounds to me that you play a very important hand in helping patients throughout their journey with an arduous diagnosis, which is extremely admirable. I think the beauty of healthcare is that there's a lot of mobility within the field to really find what you like, but it seems that you found your footing and are focusing your energy on palliative care. What brought you to the palliative or supportive care specialty? Yeah, that's a that's a good question. And I guess I um, didn't emphasize enough about what we do when we see patients in the hospital. So while they're here being treated for their cancer, <clears throat> which is 99% of the demographic here, we we are brought on as a consult service to help manage uh, pain and symptoms. Um, I think this was born out of almost 10 years of being a bedside nurse in the ICU. <clears throat> Originally, I was telemetry. ICU seemed like the next step in the direction I wanted to go for uh, patient care and intensity, really. Um, and so, you know, the ICU is a is a critical place. It's a it's high highly intense, stressful, uh, and sensitive area of patient care. And what I saw a lot of was like, you know, recovery, of course. And I did this not at this hospital. These were this was in a community based hospital in downtown Los Angeles, and then in a in a private hospital in Santa Monica. <clears throat> You know, we see recovery, of course, but we also see things go the other way. And and specifically what stuck with me were the bad, the bad endings where we saw a lot of suffering, pain and distress, both physically and then definitely emotionally and especially for the families um, in addition to the patients. And so like when I went back to school, I knew I wanted to do um, family medicine and see the lifespan, but specifically I wanted to kind of have more continuity with patients, uh, do a little bit of preventative care to to like mitigate their ending up in a hospital or definitely their ending up in an ICU. But the more I went through the program and then, you know, I went back to bedside after I was done <clears throat> to kind of give it more thought. Um, I wanted continuity in a different way. I wanted continuity, not from the prevention side necessarily, but more in the like, I don't want to say cleanup, but um, refocusing or renormalizing. And so I found this job um, at, at this hospital that was just that. It was supportive medicine. It was 
helping patients attain like a new normal uh, within their diagnosis, which is sometimes terminal and sometimes a bump in their road. Absolutely. I think that you play a very special part in people's lives, especially when you're doing supportive care because you're helping them through the whole curative portion and also through their symptom management, which is just as important, if not more important in a lot of instances. Um, So what exactly is your role within the supportive care team? Uh, Well, as a nurse practitioner, we, and in this department specifically, we are the only nurse practitioners in this hospital that practice autonomously. We do not round with physicians. We have 12 physicians on our team and about eight nurse practitioners. Um, So I see patients on my inpatient week that are uh, new consults or follow-ups. And then uh, on my outpatient weeks, I see my own patient panel. So there's my continuity that I wanted, right? Um, we, We see patients in the hospital and as independent providers, uh, establish treatment plans for pain or symptom management. We definitely do goals of care discussions. Uh, we we help through end-of-life uh, journeys or decision-makings. And then on the outpatient side, you know, we see our patients in clinic, and there's a, a little bit more administrative tasks there as well. Um, we take uh, patient calls for triage, uh, acute pain crisis issues, uh, refills, you know, some of it complex, some of it's pretty straightforward. Gotcha. Thank you for sharing. I've been noticing a shift within the healthcare system that's giving nurse practitioners more freedom to spend that personal time with their patients. So definitely getting that continuity that you're looking for. And I'm absolutely positive that you're making a world of dis. Wow. Um, I'm absolutely positive that you're making a world of difference. And speaking of that impact, I know that you have a unique perspective on fertility and family planning. I think that's a portion of palliative care that most people are not super familiar with, myself including. So I was curious, what does fertility and family planning entail? Yeah, it's it's kind of like a, a quickly bypassed aspect of healthcare um, when it really shouldn't be. But the but the concern with cancer treatment is there is definitely a sense of urgency in starting. And so these other kind of like almost superfluous healthcare issues or uh, personhood issues are kind of leapt over quickly on route to cancer-directed care. So when we identify patients who are of childbearing age, um, you know, as supportive medicine practitioners, we don't always get the first um, opportunity for assessment. So um, I am part of an oncofertility committee here. We we established something called a breast, best practice advisory. So that's a hard stop in our electronic chart for hematologists or oncologists when entering orders for chemo or radiation that they need to address fertility. And so that's the first kind of like way that we have implemented an assessment of these uh, patients, usually by childbearing age. Um, if there's if time is on our side, we'll refer them to social work, and we contract out with a local fertility center. Um, there's opportunities for funding as well, um, like through Livestrong. Um, so you know, if if we have time, uh, the patients will get worked up for fertility, and and specifically with women, it's um, egg retrieval and egg banking. For men, it's way more straightforward. You don't need a whole lot of time to to get a sample and have that banked as well. Um, 
but I just think it's such uh, an important stop and look in someone's journey of of healthcare. Um, I'm trying to think if I miss anything about um, just the assessment and just the acknowledgement that this may be a priority to them and it should be addressed um, and given some some honest time and thought. Right. I definitely agree with you. I think that fertility and family planning is huge in a lot of people's lives. So taking that that moment to really evaluate what their plan is is so important and it must be really overwhelming to consider all the future possibilities when also determining what the treatment for cancer is going to be. Um, that being said, why is it important for palliative patients to think about fertility and family planning? I think it's just remembering that there, this is a person that has been met with a diagnosis whose outcome you know, may may often be uncertain. And that there's other aspects to this person that need care and attention. You know, just like I, we treat pain, just like we treat anxiety, just like we treat nausea, just like we treat cancer or, or shortness of breath um, or sleep or worry or religion and spirituality. I mean, what makes a person whole are, are their priorities and values, right? And so in our department, we we work very hard at like restoring valuable aspects of their lives back to them as much as we can and so if if having a family is a priority and we're able to incorporate that into their treatment plan then we should right because we're because medical care and definitely nursing care is all about being as holistic and whole human as possible and i think it's remembering like you know a cancer di diagnosis may just be a bump in the road and at the end of it, when they're treated and they're, you know, in remission and recovered, how how much of their life can they get back? And if having a family is part of being able to move on from that diagnosis, um, then we should we should honor that. Um, you know, I think even even in situations where like there's a gynecological cancer uh, for women or like a prostate cancer for men, we we talk about other outside options like surrogacy and adoption. Um, and I think it's just noting that like we care and we see that things matter to you um, and that your life could go on and we want to help you be able to achieve that. I think that you kind of touched on the essence of what supportive care is and it's treating the whole person and looking towards the future that they want to have and making sure that it aligns with their goals. Um, you seem to be a big part of helping patients determine their goals. So how do you help facilitate a patient's goals? I think it's just asking the questions that people don't think to ask, afraid to ask, feel like they don't have time to ask or are, are shy to ask. Um, you know, being at the bedside as a nurse for so long, we kind of like get over uh, <laughs> privacy issues and concerns and just realize that we're all human and we all have human functions and human needs right and so just like thinking to ask what matters to you what is valuable to you what are qualities of life uh that you find meaningful and want to achieve and and some of those are hard right and some of those are really asking a patient to look at what are qualities of life that would be kind of um, 
if they weren't if they weren't there would mean they wouldn't want to they wouldn't want to continue <clears throat> and yeah just I, I, yeah go ahead <laughs> just remembering to ask the questions I, I feel like with being a nurse it's like you get over being shy and you just become more straightforward like seeing what matters to a patient and being able to address that and helping them get over their like fear of asking questions as well. Absolutely. I think that getting involved and asking the questions that others are too uncomfortable to ask is one of the most special things that a nurse or a palliative care provider can do. Um, working in palliative care is all about getting acquainted with feeling discomfort. <laughs> discomfort is really where we learn to grow. And I think that showing yeah. vulnerability to patients is is how we get them to feel comfortable with them talking to, to us, you know? Um, so what do you find to be the most interesting thing about your job? I've seen a lot of interesting things, but honestly, the thing that stuck with me the most is what people have not said to their loved ones. Um, and that's come from like reading a lot of advanced healthcare directives, um, and having a lot of goals of care meetings. People are so thoughtful and so careful and so intricate about what is special about their lives and what is important about it and who's important in it. And I'm just always, I'm just I'm so struck by how brave our patients are and how how careful they can be and how loving they are. And and then also just like I, I don't know what it is, but how sometimes things are held back, maybe when they shouldn't be. And I and I and I don't want to sound so like duh, but I get a lot of perspective about life from my job and like realizing this is our one this is our one chance this is our one life you know say say the I love you and like do the thing that scares you and honestly that's I, I find it so interesting that this is a lesson I and a perspective I get over and over again I think that's a really beautiful way to put that being deeply ingrained in each person's process is so special because you're right. You see all these different intricacies of how people can be thoughtful and how they don't discuss things until that barrier comes down of yeah. mortality. Yep. I think that everyone's journeys truly are unique and I'm sure that being a part of that conversation is so rewarding. Um, while it may be hard to choose, what do you find to be the most rewarding thing about your job? Honestly, it's when a patient tells me that I've I've made it possible for them to like get up and have their day and live their life. And I, I don't want to say that like I'm not their cancer doctor. I haven't given them their life back, but in the ways that I help, I do. And so when a patient comes to me or any one of us and says, because of you, I was able to get up and go live my life in a meaningful way. I mean, it's just so, it's, it's so profound and it's exactly why I wanted to do this job. I am so positive that you've impacted people in more ways than they could ever articulate. And I'm so glad we have people like you in the field advocating and fighting for patients to get the relief they truly deserve. Well, thank you.
Of course. I know that palliative care is beautiful in a lot of ways, but it's there's just no secret that can be really hard. Um, so I was curious, what is something that you do to help empower yourself to continue in this field? I think acknowledging that I have a skill set for this and I'm good at it and I'm and, and we're all and I'm everyone I work with is so smart and so kind and really funny and so supportive and just knowing that I am in I'm in a I'm position to help people and I can do it well definitely helps me continue um I have three daughters um going home at night and maybe telling them, you know, mom, you made someone feel better today. Uh, I guess show help. It shows them that being of service is a value in our household and something I want them to learn. Um, I think we're here to give back and to support and lift everyone up when we can. And so being able to demonstrate that to them is highly valuable to me. And honestly, I just doing something that I know will make them proud is is a is a definite a final driver for me. You are making a positive change and leaving this world better than it was. Sorry. Oh, thank you. Of course. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today and just sharing a little bit about who you are and what you do. It's been an honor and a privilege talking to you, and I hope that you have a great day. You too. Thank you, Aaron. Of course. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you found our discussion informative and engaging. Remember, the conversation doesn't end here. If you enjoyed this episode and want to support what we do, be sure to leave us a review and subscribe for future episodes. This helps us to continue to build our audience of listeners and dive deeper into the world of hospice and palliative nursing to bring you more insightful interviews. Have an idea for a future episode? Send us an email at info at hbna.org. For more resources on hospice and palliative nursing, be sure to visit us at www.hbna.org.